and welcome to the Ink and Tension Cubecast. There you go. It's in cube tension. In cube tension. That's right. In contention, pop cube cast, yeah. whatever. Yeah. You've already thrown me completely off. There's no way I can podcast. Let's, hold on, hold on. Okay, okay, sorry. He's got it. He's got sorry it. He's got it. Sorry. All right. Hello, and welcome to the In Cube Tension podcast. <laughs> nice. Much better. Happy? Yeah. All right. Here's your three Nobody dimensional Nobody knows who you are. Host. Introduce yourself. I just introduced myself. No, okay. I thought I introduced no, myself. No, you didn't. Here's your three dimensional host, Sam, Sam Stoddard, here with Ruben Bressler. Yeah. And What's up, Matt regular Mansour. hexahedrons? Matt Cube Stuber. Matt Cube Stuber. Ruben the uh, There's six cone sides wrestler. to every story. <laughs> Sam the quadrahedron yeah. parallelogram obtuse. Obtuse Stoddard. Other oh, math jokes. <laughs> That's right. Well, I guess a cube really isn't obtuse, is it? You're obtuse. Well, so we have a special episode tonight. This is our third or fourth or fifth cube cast and uh today we're going to be talking all about cube more specifically we're mostly going to be talking about the moto cube mostly now before we get into any cube discussion sure let's just get some stuff out of the way we what do we got going on lately i mean right well we haven't done a regular podcast in a little while so we've got some stuff uh to to sort of plug didn't we do one last week did we do one last week yes we did oh okay well I, I, my mind is blown. Well, we had something pretty big happen between the time that we podcasted and our time right now, right, which was, which was the, the Invitational. Starts the Games right. Invitational, right. So, Stoddard, you were pretty busy that weekend. Yeah, I was, How'd com- that go? I was commentating. It was awesome. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it was me, Jacob Van Lunen, and Joy Pascoe. It was a three-day event, so we had three people, and you just switched out a lot more. And uh, it was a lot of hours, a lot of work, but it was pretty sweet. Three days. I've heard that. Um, yeah, three days is ridiculous. Yeah. I've heard that because uh, one of the one of my things was you weren't stoddardy enough in your first one. Where you, I've heard people say you were much more stoddard like. Who told you that? Uh, random people that I've I I noticed you were more stoddard like. This guy. I felt I was more stoddard like, but. Good. Also, when I walked Keep by the booth one time, you were making your incredulous stod face at something Jacob Van Lunen was saying. <laughs> so shocker. Yeah. So anyway, I like. I, I couldn't listen to the uh, to the uh, commentary because I was in the event playing. Yeah. And uh, I was doing well. I was uh, eight and four going into the last standard portion. If I won out, or even if I three hundred one, I could have top aided. Uh, instead, I o fourd. Hmm. Actual steel wool typical. for the rest of the event. Pretty typical. Finished 38th. What's so. funny is that you were uh, just going on about how much you uh, you loved your standard I deck. I loved my standard and deck. And you hated your legacy deck. I what hated you my legacy deck. Your legacy deck was insane. I played show and tell in legacy. Um, well, actually, you played hive mind. I, well, yeah, I played hive mind in legacy. But mostly I played show and tell to put hive mind into play. But yeah. What was your standard deck? My standard deck was Niapod, which won the event, right. mind you. Uh... Yeah, uh, um, Max Teat's deck was uh, Niapod in standard. But, although, but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So that, that's irrelevant. This was Kibbler's. similar to Kibler's, that, but it's not exactly the same. That's irrelevant because he didn't actually play it in top eight. Well, fine. Um, anyway, so I was 3-1 on day one with it, and I was just stomping people. It was Blade Splicers, Huntmaster of the Fells, and Strangler Geist. Uh, and it was a blast to play. I felt like I couldn't lose to, to pretty much any blue-white Delver variant at all. My matchup against Control was decent. Like, they couldn't really answer a resolved birthing pod. So I felt like I was going to do real well. And then I mulliganed ten times in two rounds total. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I lost to a blue-white Delver deck piloted by uh, Mike Jacob. And then I lost the last round uh, to a blue-white Humans deck. And that was awkward. 
So it didn't turn out so well for me. But I had fun. I had, uh, I mean, I felt like, the, like it had, had I not mulligan quite so much, I would have done much better. But I had a good time and, you know, it was a great event, so. I, I didn't go, but I tuned in a lot, and it was exciting to see a lot of the players talking very positively about the venue, about the tournament. Um, there was a change in security. They did uh, wristbands that was great. To, uh, to track backpacks and things. Yep. Um, and then it was cool to see, like, uh, like Brad Nelson did really well at the Invitational and then won a draft open. Um, I liked to see him doing well again because he was sort of, like, in a, in a rut for a bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's getting way more involved in Star City. And I really like Brad Nelson. Well, you know, he's, he's moving he to moved to Rome. Yeah, he did yeah. just this last week. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, The other thing was that they had a lot more video content, which was huge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, million that was nice. videos. That was nice. Yeah. Part, part of the cool thing about having three people was that for, like, two hours, I think, maybe three hours, speaking of the day, Joey was recording draft or uh, deck packs and interviews and stuff, and so then... And then playing those during the breaks, which was like, yeah. it was so awesome because a lot of times I, I when I tune into the Invitational, not, not the Invitational, but the Opens, if you There's watch a like downtime, a, quick, a yeah. quick match or something, or it goes 20 minutes, the other matches are done, and then you're like, well, now i got to watch round two over and over again. Right, it was, so a, lot, it was cool. a lot more like a sporting event where people are actually like putting together little interview things to play during timeouts and things. So, so. opportunity for Star City. Maybe create some content that could go in between rounds as opposed to playing early rounds. That's right. Maybe at, at least at the beginning of the tournament, in the later turn, or, or, or yeah, at the beginning of the tournament, you maybe want to play. Like I don't want to rewatch the rounds that I just watched. Maybe we can put in magic of the news inning. Perhaps plug that in there. Yeah. So well, we're recording that tonight. We after are the show. recording that tonight. Yeah. So um, does anybody have any niceties before we dispense with cube discussion? No, I, I think that anybody who has uh, so many niceties, no. Uh, Except, of course, no here is meant to like be as a connector, not actually saying no. But anyway. <laughs> I lost what you were trying to do there. Sam was agreeing, me, agreeing with me by saying no. By disagreeing no, with you? Which, right. is, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is pretty, pretty part of course. Which is, yeah, which is an accurate like, thing to do, but it's, it's all about inflection. Yeah. It doesn't translate well. It's just well. Why don't you show it, me it the cube content? It doesn't translate mm. well to the... Mm. Uh, I see what you've done. <laughs> yes. Well, no, no, hold on. But, but the thing is, uh, if you have not seen it, watch uh, the coverage... There are some great matches. Like the the quality of play was just so amazing. Yeah. Every single round, we were featuring like top Redna- players yeah. instead of people you've never heard of making mistakes. Now now we're seeing Nick Spagnolo and Brad Nelson, and Jerry Thompson, making and Max Teets making less <laughs> mistakes. No, uh, the, the, <laughs> it was it was very good. It, there was a lot of great play. Of course, like some people did make mistakes. Like there was a, an early point where Kibler. Uh, messed up an attack, and then there was stuff like that where people would take wrong lines or uh, that's not happen. well. Yeah. But there was a lot of really good play. I was talking with Caleb Durward, and we were having a conversation about the quality of play on day two. And he said that the quality of play on day two of the Invitational was harder than the quality of play at the Pro Tour. So there's that. And and and, and uh, his opponent, or rather not, uh, somebody who builds the same kind of decks that he does... Um, Sam Black mm-hmm. built a deck that I want to have an entire segment on um, in our next show. The Walking uh, Dead. Which is basically just to talk about deck names. I think yeah, it, deck, pretty, well, that's a he, really good That's not who he named it, though. He named it something else. He named no, it something else. But it's unfortunate. In the tradition of legacy, you don't get to name your own deck. The internet names your own deck, and it's something stupid. If that if that's true, then Solidarity wouldn't exist as a deck name. Fine. Well, I mean... That was well adopted because people liked Gearheart. 
Like same, same, and Team America was was the person. And Team Italia was yeah, I understand that, but like most of them are. All I'm saying is you're a liar. Fine. <laughs> All right. So uh, several weeks ago, a day that shook. Uh, my entire house and all of my cube boxes off the shelf. Uh, Monty Ashley made an announcement in a Magic Arcana that Magic Cube was coming to Magic Online. Right. Which is Magic Cube. Something that Hard time. I Excellent. mean, how long have we talked about? Probably we talked about like since wanting to be able to cube on Magic Online. Pretty much since I knew about Magic Online and Cube at the same time. I was like, why isn't there a cube on Well, we've been talking about that. I, at least I've been talking about that for about the last year. Yeah. About how they were It's been in sort of it. like background discussions for more than that. Though. Phantom Drafts were really like the tipping point where it's like, okay. It's coming. Well, yeah, well, it's, it's a I see what you've done. There, there are two things that you need to have. Ma- Magic Online, its stock version, needs two upgrades to do, to do cube. To do like a the way of doing cube now. It needs to A... Uh, have it so that you have the phantom stuff, so you don't mm-hmm. get the cards. Sure. Uh, I don't think that was probably a big programming hurdle, but you know, you never know. Uh, you know, Magic Moto has been in production for God. It came out in well, I think they started in '99. I was gonna say it's like been ten years, more than that. Yeah, thirteen years. Wow. Well, it's been in production for thirteen years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, no, it was before that because the first set that was on it was Invasion. Mm. And so it, the internet barely had Wikipedia. When when no when uh, <laughs> man this whole no thing's been my thing now. When they first developed Moto, you know what the, the game was that like the big the big MMO was Ultima. Uh, well, it was EverQuest. Yeah, oh, EverQuest. It was, it was sure. Proto Ultima. But that's why when you look at the size of the servers, remember it was a big deal. They had to like do a bunch of stuff for the servers because uh, very early on. There was a lot of instability oh my and stuff. Yeah. Well, part of that was that it was designed in, with an infrastructure that was similar to like EverQuest infrastructure. Like EverQuest infrastructure was like if you had something like five thousand people on the server, it was like dying and going crazy, and like that was a lot of people. When EverQuest was came out, you know, it was hitting like you know hundred thousand subscribers over their like you know fifty servers. That was like oh my god, look how successful this is. Right. So. Magic Online, you know, it, it's been in production forever. It was uh, really originally produced as a close proximity to Magic, and then it was meant to become an exacting Magic. There's been a lot of growing pains. A lot of things are kind of like, there's a lot of like arcane old stuff in, in the code and stuff, so I don't know how easy that was for them to do. But that was step A. Step B was to make it so that you can, uh, when you're drafting, it's out of a single pool. Yeah, collate the packs so that they're... Right, and it's out of a wanted. single pool... Yeah. Not out of a um, a random right a randomized no well, I haven't randomized but like you know they, they because they mimic the, the normal print runs. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, you didn't cool. know that? No. Yeah, it's the same print runs that they have in real life. Wow. Uh, probably don't have the same rare runs and all that, but it's the, interesting. They did it. It's it's not like a like a like a poker website. It's going to be it's going to be like they're no. all on a rare sheet. No, the, oh. thing, is, the thing is that uh, if you randomly distribute packs, it's kind of miserable. Like if you get ten random comments. Oh, it's sometimes, really yeah, sometimes you get two of the same not card. Even, not even if you get two of the same card. Uh, even if you only get one of the same card per pack. You yeah. see, if you multiple. Right, it, it just, like, you get some packs that have absolute power and some packs have a lot. Right. And so they work on the common, they actually they actually sit down when they're designing the set, and one of the last things they do is they design the, the, the sheet runs. Right. 
so that the common runs are reasonable. Yeah. So that you know you get like basically like ten commons in a row or whatever. Yeah, right. And so that the power level is at a similar level. Huh. So that you know the idea is that if you have a really bad card, you need to have other cards. You know, basically, if they assign power points, somehow all the maybe the planeswalkers we're not going to see five planeswalkers in a pack or something. No, well, not even. Nine, no, right, no, no, but no. super powerful comes. No, what I'm saying is that in a regular set, they they cool, they, they actually work on the print runs. I, for the, I, yeah, I get you. So that you get like a similar power level per pack. Uh, and in this, you know, it's it's got to be completely random. And uh, if if I'm in the same draft as you and I open up a card, nobody else can ever open the card. So that, that's two technological yeah. things. That does not get us to the third point where everyone wants to be, where you can host your own cube, draft Custom your own lose. And stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that will ever happen. And we're going to talk about that Specifically, and also just the idea of what are the what are some of the other cubes that we can see online? Right. What's the right. future because of cubing online? The fact the fact is like okay, so phantom drafts make them you know some amount of tickets, right? They they could run phantom drafts right next to real drafts all day long, and people would sign up for the, real, for the phantom drafts all the time. The issue is that it's not that the phantom drafts are making them free money because they're not giving out cards. The question is how much of the regular draft pool does the Phantom stuff pull out of? Right. So if they put on this cube, how much does that decrease their sales of Innistrad and Dark Right, because packs? a lot of people will only want a cube, and it'll right. detract from the sales. And if they implement a cube where you can make your own cube, that how much does that well, detract? And how much do you charge for someone who's made their own cube? I, there's a lot of logistics that yeah. happen. But... Let's not get too let's, ahead of let, ourselves. Yeah, that's way far off. Let, we'll burn right. that bridge when we get but, to it. Right, so what we have instead is a cube that they designed. It's a 720 cube, which is a little bit larger than most cubes that I right. see. It'll, it'll host two eight-mans. Yeah, so you're not going to see every card every time. You're not going to see every card most, most You're going to see mo- every card about half the time. Uh, about half, right. But, that yeah, and, and so they, they uh, actually, you were, did a podcast. We talked to Zach Hill. Yes. Who was, well, he was not the, the lead designer was Tom Lapilli. Right. The lead developer was Max McCall. Right. But, but Tom, Zach was on the design team, basically. So if it was a set, he would have been on the... Well, know, I think the, that the he, yeah, he, he worked on it, but it wasn't like... He, they didn't really have a team the way that they have right. for other stuff. And apparently they also tested it in the Seattle area, secretly. Mm-hmm. Not like secretly as in, hey, hey, we, we're going to bring you in. You guys are going to be... Right, but as in, in they had, hey, you guys want a cube. Right. And, then, just, and then they were just like, it's just a cube. What are you, what are right. you talking Right, someone about? had a cube, and they were just working on that cube. Yeah. And then they're like, haha, that's the moto cube. Sure. So, you know, it's it's not perfect, but it is certainly a good first step. It's exactly what cubers have wanted for years is to ha- be able to, you know, not ever have to leave the house. Right? Pretty much. Right. But no, other than that, it, it's it's also, you know, it's 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 nice to be able to cube with people from Denmark, and then someone else in your pod is from China, right. and someone else in your pod's from Los Angeles, and someone else from, is in Miami. Right. So I, I, it's, I, it's all, but I disagree to a point in that I think that Cube is like online commander exists, but I don't think that it, it serves exactly the same purpose right. because part of the fun about female commander is sitting in a game store. Or that's your, that's your house, a fair point. And Cube, like you don't get to run the rubbins the same way that you do. Yeah. That you, you get to run some sick rubbins. She was like, very social. Yeah. Too. I don't, I don't get quite as angry as I do anywhere else in the world as I do when I'm cubing. I don't quite believe that, but we'll, I'll, I'll let the statement stand. So this format is built to be run in eight man queues and it's going to pay out in multiple ways. You're going to do Swiss 
four three two two and eight fours. Oh, they did announce that. I at least I read that maybe 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 I'm wrong. I thought it was just four three two two. I thought they definitely said Swiss. Let's say let's say for now we know for sure it's four three two two. Pretty sure it's four three two two. Okay, so regardless, they're going to be creating this format. It's like seven ticks to get in. Uh, you draft like you would any other set, fifteen card packs, and you build that. Um, now with eight players, that means you're going your card pool is about three hundred sixty cards. So I think the size of seven twenty is a really good size for something that could potentially be drafted a lot, right? That lends um, a really good element of being able to draft a new deck that you hadn't seen before, maybe uh, have a little bit of that tension of uh, expecting to see a card but not seeing it the same way that you do if you open if you, if you play regular regular limited and you're like, well, I'm gonna I opened a, a you know a token producer, am I gonna see an intangible virtue? That sort of thing. So I think what part of what it does at that size is that it means that you have to treat it more like a real limited set. And less like a uh, a cube, which you have to realize that you know when Magic Online first started doing its thing, a lot of people didn't really draft. Like they knew about drafting every once in a while they drafted, but like getting eight people was used to be really hard. Like Magic Online taught people how to draft. People are going to come to this who have never cubed, right? Yeah. And if you throw those people into the wolves. The people who cube all the time, who can look at a list, and it's right. 365, 40, whatever, and just crush it every time. Yeah. That's not interesting. You've got to throw enough variance in there that the people who have never cubed before can, can end up with reasonable decks, and they're not just going in just like, I don't know why this card would be good. And then yeah. it's like, oh, because you just draft these five cards, and your deck is unbeatable. Like, well, how would I ever know that? Oh, you just have to cube a billion times. You know, the, this, is, this is the introduction of Moto Cube. I think that over time we'll see new cubes that might be... A little more like what people are seeing. Powered theme, popper, whatever. Probably not powered. Why not? Uh, I think that they're not going to ever put power on Moto. Okay. Um, Without getting into the power being printed on Moto, I'm going to talk about what's in this cube. Because, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about the history of Moto and sort of how it came to be. But what is this going to look like when we're online actually drafting this list... Uh, sitting down to open up a pack, what are some of the decks that we're going to see? What kinds of archetypes is Wizards trying to make their players you know, play? What, what are, what's supportable? Um, and I think the best way to do this is probably just to uh, go through a few of the cards that uh, stand out as like cube, um, archetype enablers. Stalwarts um, of the cube. Stalwarts of the right. cube, so sure. The ones that are in every cube that are the stalwarts of those cubes. And not and not necessarily staples. Like, sure, every cube's going to have swords of posture. I don't care. But that's not a centrally that. located card. What you're talking about is Marari's Wake. Right. Marari's Wake, or, you know... Metalworker. Exactly. Tezzeret. Yeah. yeah these, are, these are these great are, examples. These are cards that you build decks around. Now, have Armageddon and Ravagers is one. It has both. It has both. So that white is a really good place to start, right? So white in in most cubes is traditionally reserved for the white weenie decks, uh, which are built around equipment, um, disruption like uh, you strip mine wasteland, Armageddon, um, and then Man, just overwhelming the board with dorks. And then every wrath that ever printed. Okay, so then the other half of white is I'm going to use it as a control color. Maybe I'll play blue white control or white-green ramp or something, and I'm going I'm to use white as my color to just run rats. So white kind of gets to play in all the spaces It's also got a equally. couple... It's, it's also not the worst reanimation color. 
um, because well, you've got... It's one of only two reanimation colors, but... Well, I mean, you can... Uh, what I mean is reanimation targets. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, like, you've got White Acroma, and you've got Elishnorn. Sphinx of Steel Wind. Sphinx of Steel Wind is white. I mean, there's some big white guys, whereas, you know, Red doesn't really have that many things you want to be reanimating, right. for I, example. I thought you were talking about, like, the two uh, reanimation spells. Oh, no, I was not talking about the card Resurrection or Breath of Life. All right. So... Wizards, I believe, has taken this thought of how white plays out in most cubes and really put it on paper and emulated that very well. I mean, there's there's not a lot that stands out that says, "Wow, this is this is really kind of pushing the envelope of a new archetype" or anything. And a lot of the um, real creative choices, like for example, for the reanimation strategy, they put in loyal retainers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Instead of putting in Breath of Life or Resurrection, which are sort of just pretty much just worse than the black reanimation choices. Right. It, it, it lets you, you know, it, it gives you other choices. It lets you revel arc a, a loyal retainers into play. It lets you, you know, it, it makes, it forces you to make deck choice decisions. Like, you can't have you know, a Terastodon, but you can have a Kokosho kind of thing. Right. Uh, so it, I think that th- there's some pretty creative decisions. There are some real weird ones, but most of them make sense. Uh, and all the weird ones sort of tie in with other weird things happening in the cube, like Ethersworn Cannons. Yeah, I'd say white's probably the most unaffected color by trying to think outside the box from a cube design perspective. I think that it doesn't have a lot of Dark Horse cards. I think Loyal Retainers uh, is a really interesting one. Um, even cards like Academy Rector, you don't see in a lot of lists. Uh, but otherwise, it's very... Traditional and um, you know, angelic destiny is one I I don't think I've ever seen in a cube list right. before. And Stone Cloaker isn't in every list, but I've been trying to get Cranny to put it in his list for a while. I just it think used that to be every list. It used to be in yeah. every list. That's yeah. true. So it's you know it, when you have a huge cube like that, you're allowed to make choices like that. So <laughs> so, so, like so you mentioned Canonist, and I think we may as well just talk about this next archetype right now because this is the one that in the cube community people have kind of scratched their head like. What the heck is this doing here? And I, I, I'm talking specifically about storm cards. Now, Wizards has chosen to include, I believe it's Empty the Warns, uh, Mind's Desire, and Tendrils of Agony. Yeah, okay, right. in, in addition to rituals and other things. Now, the issue becomes with this, and to chain on my same spotter there, um, that you don't necessarily have access to the, uh, well, some of the cards that make those decks work, which are. Lots of cantrips, uh, free artifact mana, um, and also having a card pool small enough that you can guarantee yourself to be able to pick those cards up early. Right, but I think the purpose behind that is they don't want pe- they don't want people like all ending on storm to begin with. I think that that if that if that deck was possible, like do you remember? Uh, Years ago, one of the things about Cube was that there was always a mono black list, right? Mm-hmm. And someone could like go all in on mono black, and their deck would be awesome because they get the corrupt and the the you know the uh, the coffers and the herb organ stuff. But if two people try to go all in on mono black, like at the very beginning, it just falls. It's apart. like the the South Park ski instructor meme. Like if you and your, if you and someone else go into mono black, you're not going to have it. You're going to have a pretty bad time. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. And I, I like the idea that it's not so common that people are just going to, like, all in on it. That it's something that you have to sort right. of... There's literally yeah. one card that I would go all in on, and I think it's Mind's Desire. Right, and I can see that. I can see I that. can see people being like, ooh, empty the warrens, we're going to go all in on that. But I think Mind's Desire is the card that I would 
be like, that's that's the one. And it, well, and it empty the warrants of the card that you can more easily fit in other decks. Right, you can you can quite easily just go like mana thing, like mana rock, one mana idiot, storm for six goblins, and that's a fine turn. Here was my my assessment when when I saw it. I, I initially said, well, I'm just going to build. I'm going to pretend that I could roast this mm-hmm. and build the best possible storm deck I can. And what ended up happening is I had all these cards like Vampiric Tutor, Mystical Tutor, Time Spiral, Rituals. I had all these pieces, but you know what it always devolved into? Getting a Tinker and getting a guy to play. Like, it never it never involved me casting an Empty Warrens for 15 or 16 on turn 3. It was always like, my turn, you know, land Mystical Tutor for a draw spell, you know, Vampiric Tutor for a Tinker, Tinker and Sunder Titan. Right. Well, that's that's because Storm is one of the one of the main archetypes that does not lend itself at all to cube. If you look at all, any any Storm list from all time, it's all four ofs and then like three one ofs. To illustrate that, we've played a lot of combo cube. Yeah. And one of the archetypes, my my combo cube is about two hundred seventy five cards big, mm-hmm. and Storm is one of the main archetypes. And you you could even get the first pick empty warns in a cube that does nothing but combo decks, right? And still not be and able to build that and still miss. Yeah, I right. Mean, it's it's a real it's a real awkward situation where Magic has all these cards they want to show off in this new you know I'll say relatively casual format, even though it's still for prize. And they there's just no good way to do it because the rules don't allow it. I think that it's probably better than you think it is, and it's built different than you think it is. I don't think it's an all in all storm deck. Right, I think it's probably a mind's desire. Flip three cards and hope one of them's an Ulamog. No, no, no. But I know that's what I think. No, I, I think that it's more of a controlling deck where you sort of save some stuff up. And imagine a control deck where you have like a pretty standard, like uh, for instance, Grixis deck, right? Right. And you have a few storm cards in there, and then like you you sort of get controlish of the game. Right. Well, and then like like turn like. Seven, eight, nine, ten, or something. You're just like card, card, storm, or card, 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 storm. But like, wouldn't a draw spell do the same thing that that Mind's Desire would do at that point? On then? turn eight, wouldn't you rather just have Nickel Bolas? Ah, possibly. I, I I just think that it's going to be a little bit different. I don't think it's going to be as like I'm all in on storm as much as it's like I have this like deck that does stuff, and part of it is that right. I can storm stuff up good. If you get if you are a person that can first pick and empty the Warrens. You should be able to know that you could conceivably build around that card. And my problem is that you don't have enough support to even somewhat guarantee yourself access to other Storm cards. Yes, you can pick up Tutors. You can even pick up a few Rituals. But you cannot reliably create a Storm deck from a card pool of 720 with no power and more support. I just don't think that it's possible. The other and, and problem is that you don't have the, the crappy uh, mana things. Yes. Like like Pyretic Ritual would never go in any other deck. Chromatic Star. It, you know, High Tide isn't even in the list. That That's the high big t- one. That's a big that, one that's missing, I think. I, and I, I was talking to Zach about this. Why isn't High Tide in the list? And he's like, he it was at one point while they were testing it, and then it didn't make it in somehow. But I think that if you wanted to push Storm, you needed to not only have High Tide, you needed to have Bubbling Muck, you needed to have all the other untapped spells they have from Urzus. They have Heartbeat of Spring, I, and I think that is where you could do it. But again, here's my, my, my problem is, if I'm playing Heartbeat of Spring and Time Spiral 
and ways to abuse it, I'm just going to fireball you for a million. Like, I'm not going to cast an Empty the Warrant right. for it's, five or the, whatever. The thing that the Storm deck would normally devolve into is instead, wouldn't you rather just have Show and Tell with a guy in your hand? Yeah. Or wouldn't you rather just have Tanker with a guy in your deck? A time Stretch or, or whatever. Yeah, like it, it's, it could be. I, I just think that, you know, if the, guys, if the guys and Wizards are like, this deck's really good, and everyone else is just like, I can't see it, I'm really interested to try drafting it and see how it works out. I'm 100% with you. I, I will not pass judgment on the archetype. In fact, I will personally, if I see any of those cards in the packs, attempt to build around it. Because I, I, how much does that cube draft cost? Seven ticks. Seven ticks. And it's a good thing I didn't cash out my, my moto collection because I'm going to be drafting this until my face is red. So. The, other, the other thing that, uh, I don't know if you do have other things on Storm, but I have one last thing on Storm. Go for it. For cube, which is a format based around... Winning with creatures. Really, I mean, I, I can think of very few times in which a creature de- deck didn't, like, a, a creature didn't win the game. Like, maybe you attacked them down to three and then bolted them, but there was no, you know, there was no real time in which you were, like, uh, you weren't playing you know, chase you or, yeah. like, a, you know, there are very few. And the card that really works in the Storm deck to combat that, that even just Storm for three, is Temporal Fissure. I don't see why, if they were trying yeah. to do that, bounce target permanent storm. Isn't Makes complete sense. It's five mana. Yeah. So you can conceivably be like mana rock or, or land or elf in your, in your deck. And then on like turn four, you can storm for four, playing another, you know, a couple guys and, and, and bounce their entire team. And I'm not impressed by that card, mostly because you, you storm for a bunch and you bounce their whole entire team, and then like you've spent your entire hand and they have, like, you, you haven't done anything. Like, five mana is too much. For that card to work in, in cube, I think it has to be like three mana. But then just wait. Then the, the Storm deck never gets it because it's just way too good in every other deck. Yeah, I, I think Storm's saving grace is going to be cards like Time Spiral, Frantic Search. But again, I'm going to want to be drafting Heartbeat and some other things. And I think that I'm probably just going to end up getting a Sundering Titan now as my combo anyway. Right. But maybe, again, maybe as an archetype enabler, maybe it's going to perform the role instead of like being a Skull Clamp or an Anthem, maybe it's more like a Parallax Wave. Where it's like, I'll pick it up because it's good for my deck. It's, I'm not. It's not necessarily the cornerstone, but hey, it's pretty good if I can empty the warrants for for uh, storm of five on turn five and make ten guys. That's not the worst thing that my deck could do. The other thing is that there's some there's some cards in this deck that I think can really, if you get them with the storm deck, it's going to be real tough to lose. The main one I can think of is channel. Like yeah, if you channel- get channel. Like, it's going to be real tough to not storm for a billion. Yeah, Channel's one of my problem cards on the list, I think. It's the only card that stands out to me as, I don't I don't think that they needed to put it in. I think that it, it creates more problems than it than it. That may be so. Out. I'd have to see how it did. I mean, I've never seen it in, in a cube list. When I was talking with Zach about it, he was like, green doesn't get to do unfair things like the other decks kind of get to do. Um, so we wanted to give green with, like, an unfair card to just be, like, turn to channel... Giant Elder. I like turn two channel Karn. Karn. Like, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it it's not going to be fair all the time, but you know. But it only does things that it that are against the rules of Magic. Like Channel has for a long time had the stigma of being so good that it had to be banned until that stigma went away. And now we're at a point where, like, I'll first pick it in the in the combo cube because you can just you can do so many broken things with it. Even just having like a couple of mana signets and some other things. I mean, like turn two. Turn two, turn channel two for six, mana rock, mana rock, mana rock. Yeah, or That's turn two, fine. turn two, channel for four, play a mana rock and a mana war or something. You know, right. like yeah, it's it can if it's a ritual for five, lose five. Like I'll 
I'll play that every time. Right. So, but we really have to see how that card interacts with the Storm deck. Well, and it, it, my problem isn't necessarily how it interacts with the decks. It's that it's in an environment of supposedly or, or hopefully low variance, and it's a very high variance card. That's like, fair. It's, it's one where if I see that card and I'm even remotely able to play it, I'm picking it. And I'm going to abuse it. And it's not, it's like, it's like having, um, we had a, a big discussion on Twitter, or rather I, I witnessed that I wanted to participate, about Tinker. And whether or not Tinker is a good cube card. Not necessarily a good card, because that, that's not even up for debate. It's that, what does Tinker do? Well, Tinker either does really broken things, like put Sundering Titan or Gilded Lotus or whatever into play on turn two or three, or it tables. There's no, there's no middle ground. It's not like, hey, I'm, I'm gonna get like great there, value. Out there of this is tinker. a lot of cards like that. I mean, show and tell is a card like that. Um, some of the giant, uh, giant idiots like Terastodon, for example, or Sphinx of the Steelwind. They're a lot like that also. And they're, you know, I mean, I, I've, I've rarely witnessed drafts in which there wasn't a mono red deck. But when there have been, Sulfuric Vortex just doesn't get played, right? Even though that's a that's a card that's pretty much a, uh, exactly what the, the one of the main five or six archetypes of cube wants. Sometimes that archetype just isn't drafted, and no one picks right. that card. I, I don't like Tinker. Like I think that Tinker is fine if you take out uh, probably, definitely uh, Blightsteel Colossus. Is Blightsteel on the list? Uh, I don't know. But like the, the, the list of, of artifacts you can go get that are broken is like... Blightsteel Colossus, Sundering Titan, Sundering Titan um, right? So Blightsteel Colossus is the high end of like you don't want Blightsteel Colossus to Tinker. Sundering Titan is the is the step below where you're like Sundering Titan and Tinker is very unfair, and yeah. that's it's, it, it's looking to me like the the best things that you can Sundering that you can Tinker for are Sundering Titan, Platinum Angel, Mere Battle Sphere, yeah. are the creatures, right? So so this is what I'm saying, right? You don't want to have Tinker and Blightsteel, right? That's just not fun. That is ridiculous and leads to just what I what I don't deem as not fun matches. Memory then you got get down to Tinker Memory and Center. then you get to Tinker and um, Sunday Titan, and that's the level where I go. I think Tinker's a little too good now. What if you go one step below Sunday Titan and you start talking about Mere Battle Sphere, Guild Lotus? That's where I think Tinker's fine. We have also Mind Slaver on the list. Yeah, I mean, there are other cards. Memory Jar that you can get. It's just like, I I think that Tinker is a card that a lot of people play, where I think that it's fine as a cube if you don't have the absurd targets. Right. It's, you know, it's it's good. If you're getting Gilded Lotus, that's fine. I think it's an awesome cube card. So you kind of have to either have Blightsville Colossus in your cube to have Blightsville Colossus, or you have to have Tinker. Having both, to me, is bad. So I have a comment on Tinker specifically because... It's a little weird for me to see it in this list, and I think uh, next this would be a really good topic to discuss is the lack of signets. Right. And I think this is very Whoa, this no is signets. very calculated. Now, one thing that this I is think one of the is biggest rifts in the cube community, by the way, is is green should get all the mana fixing well, I, yeah, versus I, uh, everybody should have mana fixing because we're I don't know. Well, it's not, well, I don't want to get ahead yeah. of ourselves because I want to. So the, the they they include Tinker. Okay. Right. So Tinker requires either an early artifact, uh, usually like a Mox or something, uh, Mox Diamond, Chrome Mox, Signet, to get something much larger. And if you look at the uh, list, there, there, there is a Mox Diamond, and I believe Chrome Mox is there as well. And Chrome Mox, 
um, and then other random mana facts, but there's no signets. So there's like very few um, artifacts to sack to tinker early on. So like that's kind well, of well, there is apocrysite, and that card's adorable. And and that and I and, and like that. And the cube's big like too. That. No, it, no, I'm saying that's good. But here's here's my issue though, is that they've included tinker, and I think they have metalworker as well. Let me just make sure, so I'm not speaking out of turn. No, they don't have metalworker. So they they have tinker, but they don't have uh, either the Tezzerits, Talarian Academy, or metalworker. So it's like you can. Play this in your black-blue control deck to get your random thing, but you're not doing it to to be the artifact deck. But that no, I, that okay. means it's going to table like hell. The thing about Tinker is that I think Tinker is a fine card. As a like, I like Tinker without having ten signets in the cube because Tinker is really busted on turn two or three, and over the course of the game, it gets less and less busted. I like when Tinker simply acts as two different Guild of Lotus, two different Mind Slaver, or two different some awesome artifact, yeah, yeah. as opposed to being like turn three, Counterspell? You can't no? possibly. Okay, win. well, good luck with this. And it's going to be really hard to get the Tinker and the Sundering Titan in an eight man draft with a 720 card. Right. Game. It's going to so be difficult. You, you, you know, and Tinker, you know, people, Cubers are so jaded at times. Like, People who are just like, oh, I can't imagine a world where I can't turn to Sun and Titan. Like, my life is horrible because there's nothing else of value in my life other than turn to Sun and Titan. Like, that, the t- Tinker is a fine card on turns five or six if you're just getting, like, you know. A Mind Slaver or a Worm Coil or whatever. Even yeah, just getting, like, really a really good equipment. And you're just yeah. like, like is, it, is it really so bad if you're playing, like, blue white Aggroish and you tinker your. Uh, uh, bone splitter, bone splitter, uh, shit or something. You're, you're getting a little. No, you're, but, you're reaching here because there's no way you have enough artifacts. No, but I'm just saying, like, uh, okay. So, but if you're playing a deck where you can, all you're able to do is just tinker for like a jit or something, right? Jit's an awesome card, and people are just like, well, if I'm tinkering, I want to tinker for the best card possible, and it's like, uh, I am per, I am personally, I am totally fine if, if all I can tinker for is a jit or like a sort of fire knights. Like if that's if, fine. if that's the best card of my deck, and like you know, Tinker then is it, it, for, for me as a card. It's like okay, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with Tinker if you can sack a you know a, some random Dirtle and get a Jit. Okay, good card. I'm it, telling you, the Dirtles, is, but, but the Dirtles are far and few between, especially in such a large list. Is what I'm saying. If you don't have all of the random mana facts or a smaller list that has a higher concentration of these right. artifacts. You have bigger stuff you're sacrificing. I'm not going to sacrifice my, you know, whatever. I mean, it, it's mostly equipment, things like Crucible, Coalition Relic, things that you're already pumping two or three mana into. So it, it, its value goes down a bit. I'm not saying it's incorrect. I actually like it here. Right. Um, I think that it's going to open some people's eyes to the fact that, look, Tinker can exist in an unpowered context uh, without doing broken things. I like that point. Um the, I think the problem card is not Tinker, it's Sundering Titan. Because Sundering Titan, in a in a format, let's be honest, Cube is a casual format. Now, we're going to be playing for money, so there's going to be some level of debate there. But Cubing is a casual format, and Sundering Titan does things that makes make players feel like they've been cheated. Yeah, and, and here's the other thing. Like, this Cube is going to draft differently than you're used to Cube drafting. Yes. They have designed it that way. They have designed it 
so that they're early, mid, and late picks. And, and Ruben's interview again. You need to listen to Ruben's uh, interview with, I think it was, uh, was it Usman? Usman and Eric. Eric's for suitcase. suitcase. And we interviewed Zach. And, he ta- and, and, and here's the thing about it. You get to it drafts differently because it's going to draft more like a real set because you can actually take cards and then just not hit on them. You know, you have to make different decisions that you were a normal cube. One of the things that people have to no end complained about, and I like, is that there's actually less lands than most cubes have for this yeah, size. Absolutely. And I'm, do you know, here's why I like that. People, again, cubers can get very jaded on their lands, and I've seen too many lists where the lands are really too high, and I mean, I even think your list, the lands are a little too good. Like I like I like when with cube when you have to make a lot of decisions early on about taking powerful cards or lands, and generally that doesn't come up either. A, you, there are so many powerful cards that are just like like you know there are too many there are a lot of cubes that are like nothing but first picks. That's the entire cube, right? And so I can't just take all the lands that I want, and I'll still get a million first picks. Yeah. Uh, and there are cubes where you know there's just too many lands. So I can, you know, take powerful cards and still have my mana perfect and still get, like, eight non-basics. And I like the idea that you have to choose between having the deck with really good mana and having the deck that has the, you know, the abject most powerful 23 non-land cards in it. I, you're, you, you're totally right. And uh, it really depends on, I mean, I'm talking as a cube designer, not necessarily, like, an outside looking in. But, you know, the cube goes through... Metamorphosis uh, through playing. You know, you find interactions that you like. You find interactions you don't like. You think, "Oh, wow, that's really cool." Reanimations, a great archetype. I want to support that more. Okay, here's five more reanimation spells for the for the cube. Right. More specifically, with your cube, you decided to push tokens. Yes. Which is something unique to your cube. I feel. Or blue aggro would be the blue one. Blue aggro is like, another one that's, yeah. that you were that you were uh, pushing uh, much harder a while ago, but still are pretty high on. Um, which also goes along with shifts in what Wizards is doing. You know, blue aggro's improved over the... You know, tokens have improved over the past couple of years, yeah. and so that's something you want uh, to, to nurture in your cube. The other thing about cube that that's sort of disconnected from this is cube designers are very... It's their baby. It's very personal to them. Um, and this is a, a baby designed by robots, basically. I mean... It's it's sort of a stretch, but you see what I'm trying to say is is that this is not a personal. It was it's a personal thing to the people that designed it, but now all these people, it, it's not really personal to them. Right. It's it, it is very much like having your 75 that you play, and you grind it all the time, and you give it to some to somebody, and you're like, this is what I'm playing, right. and they look at it and they go, what's this tragic slip doing here? This is trash. Right. And Why is there a batter skull main deck and one in the side? Right, and they, no and they give their reasoning based on their experience with what they have. And so cube players have a, a tendency uh, to 100% of the time get offended and uh, and get defensive. And it's it becomes very cumbersome to try to be productive when having conversations. In fact, my favorite example of this is one of my good friends, Andrew Cooper Faust, has a cube, and we have very similar cube philosophies. At Kuberfaust. At Andy Kuberfaust. Andy Kuberfaust on Twitter. Yeah, you can uh, definitely follow him. He, he does nothing but talk about cube. And um, and when we first met each other, like, four or five years ago, when we would cube, I'd be like, 
you need to have this card. And he'd be like, no, I'm not. That card's awful. And I would just get, I would get so offended and be like, well, you're an idiot for not running it because it enables all these things. And then it's like one day, this was like last year, we sat down and we were like looking at each other's lists and talking about stuff. And, and I realized how that, that like, that was like the most unproductive way to go about it. We try to be more constructive. Like, okay, like I look at wizard's list and yeah, there's a lot of cards that stand out to me and other cubers. Like, I'm not going to play Leatherback Veiloth. Mono green aggro is not a deck. Right. You know, and it's very easy to just make that argument, but that's based on the constraints of our list and our experience. You know, maybe you haven't done any power drafting and you just have a stigma that you think you're going to get turn one mind twisted every game. Well, that's really bad for you to try and engage in conversation with somebody with a power cube because you're going to be like, well, your cube is just about doing broken stuff and it's awful and it's just got to be awful to draft then it's really unproductive. And I think that that's how we got to kind of attack this. Like, look, this is an, this is an experience. This is something that has been maybe not necessarily tested into the ground, but conceived in wizard's lab. And they tend to know a little bit more about designing things than we do. Even us cubers who have a lot of experience doing this. I've, I've probably spent more hours doing cube related things than I've done any other magic related things in my entire magic career in 15 years. So, I mean, I, I like to think that I have a good understanding of Cube, but, you know, they also had Tom Lapilli, you know, assisting in this. And Tom Lapilli was one of the founding fathers of the Cube format. And we have to really trust that they found an interaction with Lion's Eye Diamond that was like, oh, wow, that's really good when you have, you know, all of these draw sevens. Or that's really good when you have ways that... Just the Storm Deck. Yeah, the Storm Deck. Right, they it's, must have tested the Storm Deck into the ground. Like, we're looking at it now... And saying, this is really weird, this does not look good, uh, whoever tries to draft the Storm deck is going to fail, uh, wrong, wrong way, go back. Don't, don't do this. And, but, but they tested it and were like, uh, no, this, this works. Not only does it work, but we're actually going to send it out into the public. I can't tell that was a Neil Talbot. Like, shout out, or you just randomly use... Shout out the wrong way, go back. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I, in my mind, I was like, what's a good way to, to, to do this? And, well, initially, it was a Wiley e. Coyote thing, because there's always the, the sign, but then I was just decided to do the shout out for All no right. reason. Okay, good. He's a nice guy. Yeah. But, no. Um, uh, God, if, if there was a drinking game around me saying, yeah, but no. You'd be wasted. You'd be, be gone. One drink for yeah, but no. Two drinks for here's the thing. <laughs> Uh, three, three. Uh, finish your drink for cranny. You're an idiot. Wow, they're deadhead like oh, five hands. There's only one of those per episode. Usually, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we got all those out before the show. Right, right. <laughs> but the, the, my thing is, there are a lot of cards in here that people have not tried in cube, and I think this might spur people to try them out in cube because, besides, they're just being sacred cows. You know, to continue the like that that whole metaphor, there's like an outcast clap cast of cube cards. People go, that card is never good enough, and I'm never going to play it in cube. And part of the thing is that again, this is more like a normal stat than it is uh, most cubes that you see. There's a lot more situations where you get to draft things that aren't. You're not going to have every single deck being like, all right, well, I have 45 cards, I have 15 lands. And so I just got to cut seven of my awesome cards. You know, there's a lot more times when you were going, well, okay, uh, I got to make this work. There's a couple cards in here that I don't really want to play. You know, it, there are late picks in this cube, and we, we'll talk about that in just a second. That one of the things that uh, people got really freaked out about is there's some hate cards in here. Right. They're not like super hate cards. There's no karma. 
There's no light of day or something. Right. There's no kudzu. There's right. No, there's not even any carpet of flowers. Right. But there's stuff like... Um, there's others from Canada. Others from Canada. Burns and Forge Tenders is right. a good one. And, and Stone Cloaker. I mean, the, the, yeah. Here's one thing I'm really with them on. Moderate is too good in cube. Agreed. And there's two there's two uh, class people, right? There's people who think Moderate's not too good, and there are people who are correct. <laughs> I like, mean... I'm, I completely agree with that. Monored, basically... The Monored deck, always three ones or four O's. Right. And people somehow are like, well, but I have Jace, and I have Murray's Wake, and I have Mindslaver Lock, and it's like, oh. yeah, but you're just dead. Like, I, right. I, you know... The I, way you beat it is you play you play Nature's Claim, and you play Swords Plushers on your own night, and then you play Kitchen Fix. i got to dispel this myth, because I've been keeping track of how Monored does in drafts for like the last four or five months mm-hmm. and it does not four you know why nearly as much you know why as why because two people are generally two to three people generally start in monorail than eight man and like mono, and only one person sees it through only one person sees it through like monorail if nobody else is trying to drop monorail you can basically not lose. Well, that's the same with any archetype stuff. what uh, i'm trying to say is less so there is a stigma around People drafting mono red. Every PTQ I go to, every whatever, there's always somebody with mono red deck, and they're like, "My deck's insane." Yes, every mono red deck looks insane, but they don't always win. In fact, I cannot remember in recent months the last time a mono red deck foiled in an eight man. I'm just saying that there is in, in this in this basement in this basement. Even even when when we when we did uh, the Star City events and we queued, I see a lot of I see a lot of mono red <coughs> go two two. I think you're going to have a tough time trying to convince people, especially... I mean, you're going to have a tough time convincing me that Mono Red isn't the most powerful archetype if you get the correct cards. Okay, I'm going to, no, I'm going to, counter, that's not I'm true. going to counter that. That's not true. But I believe White Weenie, if you get the right cards, is in your the best. Cube it is. In your cube it is. I think in most cubes, it is more of the Dirtle Control deck that is the best deck. Because they run the format of Jace and we don't? That's, yeah, that's a big part of it. They, they have uh, the... They're, there is a lot of there most most cubes uh, because the, the way the blue is set up in most cubes where there's really no aggro element it's pretty much just counter spells bounce and control magics and that's draw one cards. of my main issues with this online cube is that all of the blue spells do the same thing they either draw a card or they counter a spell not many of them uh, for example bounce permanents without doing one of the other things right. and which I understand that all the best blue cards do that. But, like, you know, have some variants. All, right. the, all the other colors are able to do multiple things. You don't have to have blue be a two-trick pony. Right, and most of the blue, like, the, the powerful blue decks have a bunch of segments and a bunch of lands in them. Just tend to being really awesome. And if you get the if you did the, the deck correctly, you basically got to play five-color blue, and you have counter spells and every good card in the... In the you got to play basically every good card, and you have Jason in your deck. But I think the Monterey deck is the most consistent deck because, again... All of its cards do the exact same thing, sure. and the the power level difference between its one drops is so minuscule. Like, okay, Goblin Guide is better than Jackal Pup. Sure. Okay, uh, Jackal Pup is better than you know Goblin Cadets or something. Yes, yes, yes. I understand that. Somewhere in there is Grimlava Mancer, right? And, and all of the scroll. And all those sure. cards are up there, but it's. I mean, if you just take every every red card in most cubes, you're going to have a pretty good time. Yeah. Like, your deck's been fairly, been fairly good. There's not a lot of work involved in it. I like that they have a couple hate cards for Mono Red because I think that, you know, you it shouldn't be just like, what do you draft in cube? Well, 
I just dropped the red cards, and it just turns out. Yeah, and I just cut them down to 23. Which is which happens, a lot of cubes are sort of set up where the, the, the red does nothing else. They've cut wildfires, they've cut all those like mid-range control cards, and red is cut, just... Cut Goblin Welder, cut all those kind of things. Now, yeah. if this is, but that's at a very basic level that if you went into a random cube, that would be the case. But I think, again, just the same way we saw a shift away from Dragon Cubes a few years ago, where... Yeah, every, every every everything was a six drop. Was a six drop. Yeah. I think now we're finding that okay, my decks need a way to beat mono red. Like I can't be I can't have my XYZ deck stone dead to a turn one jackal pub. So now a lot of cube builders are saying, okay, well I'm gonna put Lone Missionary and Silver Knight and you know Kitchen Fanks, which he's up Renewed and Faith. Renewed Faith. Um Renewed Faith in the Moto Cube. Yeah. And and ways to uh, a big one is um, the token generator um, that from M twelve or M thirteen or whatever M twelve uh, timely reinforcements. Okay, um, where sure. you know you're seeing these cards, you're like, well, that's not a really good cube card. Well, it is if you know there's two Invariant. red drafters sure, yeah. at the table, especially smaller lists. If you're drafting a three hundred sixty card cube in an eight man scenario, you're going to see every single card. Wizards did a very smart thing. With the, with the Moto Cube in in this instance, we, we like of the of the decks that we said are the most powerful. One of them was the Durley Blue decks, and one of them was the Mono Red deck. What they did was they removed Signets, cut down on the number of lands, and added up the number of multicolored cards that aren't necessarily just control cards. Right. So what they did was they sort of allowed you to pick, like, in the first half of the pack, like, first 14, or, I'm sorry, first seven or eight picks, you're like, oh, mono-red, 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 but by the end of the pack, your pack is, has Ruhan of the Fomori in it, and the three-color aggro deck is going to be much better with a Ruhan or uh, a Bant Charm or something like that, whereas mm-hmm. your options are way cut down. Right, and the Dirtly Blue decks, you get less land, so you can't just have splash removal super easily. You don't have signets, and I am so glad that no signets, but we can get into that later. Um, yeah. Well, let's let's talk about the signets now. I mean, right? Okay, so as I mentioned earlier, questions... there are two there are two camps. Uh, Camp Stoddard is uh, is going to be anti signets. Anti signets. Camp Cranny is going to be pro signets. I'm not even really pro signets. Uh, I'm going to get my. He's in the low end. He's like a he's like a signet moderate. Oh, fair enough. Okay, so uh, here, here's a question that that was asked um, from Ugular MP. Uh, he's on Twitter. He said, "What popular common art- archetypes and strategies are supported and missing?" Which we've already kind of talked about. This is going to be one that's missing. Okay, yeah. I think that without signets, without access to a lot of artifact mana, especially in such a big cube, we don't have talismans or signets. Um, we're going to see less blue-black, or I should say blue-based control decks. I think that... Getting to four mana on turn three is very Getting to four important. mana on turn three is important. And also, I will pick, if I know that I'm not doing as well against an aggro deck, like maybe I don't have as many, like, wraths, or maybe I don't have, like, any life gain at all, and I know the only way I'm going to beat the red deck is to get more mana than them, I will pick artifact mana over anything else. And without access to that, you are really opening yourself up to um, faster aggro decks just crushing you before you have an opportunity to, to right. get your cards. And I like that you have to prioritize mana. I get frustrated with a lot of cubes because there is absolutely zero need to, 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 to focus on mana. Because like, you'll get a last pick signal. When you have, especially when you have the really smaller cubes, like 360 or 
like in the mid 400s or so, that have 10 signets, and then they have a lot of lands. I mean, you don't have to work very hard to have pretty perfect mana. Sure. It, it is not difficult at all. And so, like, you get, like, you know, 8-pick signet, no problem. And you don't really care that much that it's not blue. It's just like, whatever. I'm only splashing much cards anyway. Like, this happens a lot in common, on common cubes also, where yeah. they've got all the signets, they've got all the bounce lands, they've got all the tri lands from shards, and they've got, you know, decent uncommon lands. And so, you know, the Ribbons of Night deck is just the best deck you can yeah. draft every I, single I, time. Whenever I draft the commons on commons cube, if I have never seen a list, I just default to Grixis, and my deck is awesome because every single card is a two-for-one. Yeah. Every card in the cube is two for one in blue, black, red, and you want when you want to draft that deck. Like the worst case you're going to do is get a one for one like Doomblade type card, right? Or Jilt, right? Where no, you only have one, which target, is a two for one, which is still a two for one. Okay, so the the, the debate then becomes two signet or not to signet, right? Is it is it uh, is it within um, correct design constraints to allow every color access to ramp? Right, because some of the arguments are, well, green loses its identity. It doesn't get to do the ramp thing because every color. Are can you pooing that 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 the, the exact reason why signets are bad? I I am, and here's why. Okay, and and the in my absolute favorite thing about wizards wizards cube is the fact that they have so many green one green one They have like eight or nine. Green one mana guys that make mana. They make mana. I mean, they've got the creature Soul Ring. They've got Jiraga Tree Speaker, and then they've got all the dudes that you could ever. If you think of a one mana creature that taps for mana, right? They've got all of them. now. With that in mind, and they've also got a lot of powerful uh, three drops in green, like Leatherback right. Bailoff, like we were talking about earlier. But they've also got you know more realistic right. cards. So, so here's the, well, well, I'll finish it quickly. Um, so. They've added these guys. Now, what signets and rampant growth effects do are get you to four mana. Okay? They're, they create a situation where you hit your critical turn, a turn faster, you can outrace the aggro decks, you can get your combo quicker, whatever. Well, I think that they're putting more emphasis on mana bugs because, one, you have more emphasis on combat, you have more emphasis on creature tricks, you have more, more emphasis on, on equipment. Elimination. Elimination. And green's identity is not to play rampant growth. I, I truly believe that green it has no business playing rampant growth effects. Now I include a couple because I think that it's good for the Marari's Wake decks, the decks that need yeah, to get to that need to cast the rock things like that. But I think it's more important that green have like the ten mana bugs yeah. at one and the four, five, right. and two. So so here's the thing. Uh, take drink. Two drinks. Two drinks. <laughs> but uh. When you have signets, there's two things that happen. I think green should have a couple rampant growth effects because it lets you play something like green, white, black, green, blue, X, where sure. you you are like, like where you're running like one planes green, in your deck. Green, blue is a very historic archetype of ramp counterspells, draw a card, and big finishers. Yeah. And in most cubes, and, and and really just you know, and having and green's aggro creatures tend to be like just slightly larger than their opposing creatures, right? But they don't fight six drops well. Right. Green has, like, one good six drop ever. It's Primeval Titan. And you're not going to play that in a deck full of... Right. You're not uh, going to put Jugon, the Rising Star, in your... Right. Uh, and so traditionally, the problem with Signets is that they give every color ramp. And so 
I'm playing, if I try playing a green mini deck, right, I don't have the reach that red does. Because red doesn't care. If you are playing red and you go one drop, two drop, three drop, and they're just like, okay, I got my six drop, I got a, I got a Kaiga, or I got a Titan, you're like, all right, well, how's your face doing? Yeah, you know, you're, you're bird, already bird. dead. You have reach. Green doesn't have that. It doesn't have any removal. So now you've got to pair it with a color that has a bunch of removal to make the aggro deck work at all. You can't just, like, power over somebody when they start, when they're just like, turn two signet, turn three signet. So because of gaps in green's strategy, then, then we have to deprive so what does the green control do? colors. What does green do? Green is a creature color. Okay, so the thing... Okay, primal cross. Right. Green, is, green is a creature color. The problem with that is this. Green, on average, their creatures are better. That works for limited because you don't get access to all the best creatures ever. Every other color, like blue, gets one good big creature every three sets. And it just so happens that the top 10% of those cards are in the cube. Like, the best, for the most part, the, the best non-reanimation card creatures are almost all blue. That's uh, actually gotten a little less in, in recent years. For a long time, you were talking Maloku, Kaiga, um, you know, things like that. Like Sphinxes. Sphinxes. Varying types. In, in the common uncommon cube, the best creature is uh, Glass... Jetting uh, Glass Kite. Jetting Glass Kite. Or Aaron and Mephron. Right, and this is what happens in these in, in cubes, is that blue doesn't get as many good creatures, but you don't have to draft the chaff, and so you end up with just these awesome creatures. And then green creatures, when you start comparing, like, if you compare the average, like the average of good green creatures, they're you know they're, they're higher than everyone else. Right. If you take the top ones, they're not as high. And so sure. even though it is a creature color, when you have to fight against signets, green cannot compete because if you're like green might get stuff for like half a mana less on average, which is great if you're both on the same terms of mana. Like your guys are just slightly better. But when they're a, a full mana over you, like you're just like green four drop, and there's like any five drop in existence. You're right. like green five drop. Any six drop in existence. Sure. Like, you just get overpowered so quickly that green needs to be able to, for green to compete as an aggro color, uh, other colors, like especially control colors, can't get access to signets because they will just maul green, and that's why green sucks in you, most cubes. You touched on exactly what I want to talk about, which uh, Norbert88 and uh, the Cubemizer both um, asked about the decision to um, have green aggro cards. And this is. This is like, uh, right. in, this in is my a, opinion, another I think, recent debate among. Uh, I think it's recent. I th- right? Yeah, it's pretty recent. Um, I um, went through my cube uh, about less six, than, or, yeah, six yeah, months ago, less or than a year ago, and I cut every single green aggro card. Right, and and I think that a lot of people had well, we, had kept them in there. Are though jungle lion, pouncing jag- jaguar. Um, Wild Dogs is in a lot Wild of cubes. Wild Dogs. Um, Ogres in a lot of cubes. These are all one drops so far, but then you'd also had things like Albino Troll. Albino Troll, uh, gone. Uh, uh, I cradle, gar- cradle Guardian. Whatever, yeah. Even things like Troll Aesthetic are not necessarily like high in my party. Now, he's in right now, but like, I, I, have, no, I have no attachment to him. Right. And so here's. So like here's the, only, my... the only guys that are left are other, that are good in other decks, like Troll and like Stranglerud Geist. Right, right, which is. He's fantastic. Sure. And. and and so what green has done is it has created a new identity for itself. For a long time, we, we were playing like cards like Winter, uh, Winter's Grass. LD. And, yeah, a bunch of land destruction and like Just trying to think, figure it things out. Things that wanted to be plow under. Yeah. And green really has found its identity in tokens. Yes. And, and that has really helped out like the fact that, sure, yeah, green can't, green can't race the signet. Like, so what? Like, but what are you going to do about my Master of the Wild Hunt? 
Yeah, my or yeah, like or or I, I'm paired with a Spectre Possession, and I play Gabney Township, and right. I, and I have a couple mana bugs. Like you're just not going to win that race. And so I, I have a problem. Like, yes, when we when we originally discussed this, it was like two years ago. I concede that within the context of our environment, then signets weren't right, and we actually cut all of them but three. Mm-hmm. And I've since added them back. Uh, just the blue ones and the red black one because it helps enable Grixis. And remember, my cards, my, my cube's 600, cube, 600 cards large. And I think that green is doing better now than it ever was. There are less gold cards, so green gets to really cherry pick what colors it wants to play in. I absolutely agree that green based decks seem to be consistently the most powerful in terms of uh, mid to late game. Think of the draft that we did the other night. We had four green decks. We had four in green an eight decks. Man. Yeah, in it. And but keep in mind, you've also cut down your planeswalkers a bit. I cut. If you want to know, uh, th- there was another question asking what we do about um, what you do about planeswalkers. Uh, power caps. Uh, this is also Cube Miser saying, uh, you know, people were moving Jace three. Right, and, and for you know, for the foreseeable future, Magic is going to be printing planeswalkers, and you can't just have all the planeswalkers. So many cubes do. So many, it's a huge mistake. You need to. You need to. You absolutely need. And the other thing is, you need to take out Jace three and sort of body and mind, or at least errata them to be six cards. Sort of body mind. Not not a big offender. I think Jace two is a bigger offender than Jace two is a pretty bad one too. Jace three is is. But Jace three is is the is the. It is an awful cube card. It's again. It's a really good card. It's yeah. extremely powerful, but it's but not it's fun for either card. player. No, right? You're just like you activate it twice, and you pretty much locked up anyone, any win, and then you didn't, and you didn't have to spend any effort to do right, it. Right? Now just there like, are there are Eldrazi in this cube. That's true. There are there's an Ulamaganek and uh, and a Kozilek. And Kozilek. So that's I mean that sort of mitigates it a little, I guess. But still, I think that now I'm not a huge fan of errataing cards to say like instead put the top seven in or top right. six. Or whatever if, you if, if you if you want to do Jace. 3.0, you, like... I think you want to do top five. Six. I think top you want to do top five. five. Okay. I think top six is acceptable. Like, you have yeah, to just... Yeah, top six is it's acceptable. It's your cube, you decide, but, uh, you know, it's your money, you, you need Right, it. you're talking about... Mill 10 is realistically a... It's realistic. Like, three is definitely dead. Two yeah. is pretty... Like, two is 20. They've drawn seven. You're not playing until turn five. So they have, like... Five cards left if right. you go twice. I think it's the same problem with Sword of Body in mind. Like now, Crane. Uh, I, I think Sword is, is less of a problem. It's less of a problem, but it's still a problem. I, I think. I think it's, it's still a problem. It is. So, if it hits once, they're dead. Usually, it, it, it's just less of a problem because it has to be on a creature. It has to attack. You have to. You have more time for artifact removal. You have more time for creature removal. And it's also the the the, the protections are not really relevant to. Uh, they're not as important. Now we're we're about an hour and change in, and I know we could talk cube for two hours. We're going to try and keep this as uh, you know as short as we can. But um, we have a couple more mailbag things. If, if you guys don't sure. mind, we can just kind of look at them real quick. Um, let's see. So. We did get a request to talk about some non-cube uh, content, which we'll get to in another episode. Um, okay, so Justin Parnell and uh, Anthony Avatolo, two, two big guys in the cube community, um, and uh, some other people had mentioned wanting to do a cube summit. Right, this is an interesting idea. So uh, it's a hashtag cube summit. There's a whole slew of people that, that were discussing it, but um, basically the idea would be let's get all the greatest. Right, we'll get Cranny. We'll get Anthony Avatola, we'll get Justin Parnell, we'll get Usman, and we'll get Coop. 
and we'll get. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot. Then of there's like from some, Cincinnati. There's a bunch of, yeah, there's a bunch of guys from Cincinnati, and there's a bunch of guys from the East Coast, and you know, pretty much anybody. Evan Irwin has a cute. Evan Irwin, yeah. Tom Lapilli, if we could get any of those guys, but like, there's a lot of people that you would want to have at this. Well, event. if you're doing it at Gen Con, there will be a lot of, and that's where I think that you do this. I think that you can realistically. So what what would you do? So so we're going to get these people together. And maybe create an agenda of like maybe a round table. I think it would be pretty cool to just sit in one of the uh, a quiet area and just go around and say, you know, uh, what do you think about these cards? What do you think about this? And just get some really cool data on the table from some of the best. I would like. Out there. I would personally like to see a like question and answer sec- session. I, I mean, I'm not sure how many people out there would sit in an audience and listen about Cube for an hour or two. But, you know, have people come up to a microphone, ask the panel of experts, what do you think about this? Oh, cool. And then they answer. Like you're at a Star Trek convention asking Will Wheaton questions. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, you got to go down to like four to five people on the panel. And, sure. And then you have to, I don't know what a room costs, but. Well, you, you get my point. Or you just, yeah. or you just do it at Fogo. Yeah. Right. You just rent <laughs> out right. the place. If, and, if Google, Pl- like, okay, so this is a complete derailment, but Google Plus <laughs> is so much better than Facebook. If for no other reason, then they have these awesome functionalities like the whole Hangout thing yeah. where you could do this really well as Google Hangout. Yeah, the except, Hangout's pretty good. Except you'd have to, like, find people who actually have Google Plus yeah. and have used it for more than, like, okay. be like, hey, guys, I got a beta invite. Like, this is what I did. I got a beta invite. It's like, hey, guys, I got a beta invite. Use the Hangout thing once. It was pretty awesome, but then nobody I know is on, on yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Google Plus, so it was kind of like... Yeah. Hey, uh, you and uh, some some guy who I met once, uh, you want to talk, right. hang out? The point is that the summit, I think, is a really good idea. I think that it, a that the Gen Con idea is, is worth it, even if there's no audience, uh, a live audience. Then you can just record it and put it up as a podcast. And I think that maybe even a yearly thing where it's like, this is the Cube Summit for the year. Uh, and th- these are the topics we're discussing. We'll get, we'll get Tristan Grayson to, like... Yeah, to to put some money behind it, and maybe get some cameras, and yeah, be pretty See, cool. it could be really cool if I think, I think this would work best with like EDH because there's an actual EDH council. You know, if there's a, a council, right. on yeah, EDH. yeah, yeah. Well, you know, like that would what makes makes most sense. Like, you know, if you guys want to form the unofficial cube council where you uh, bring down decrees like "Thou shalt not," uh, whatever. Uh, no, no, well, no. Well said. I, I, I would more want be interested in doing like some some sort of event. Oh yeah, it. and then you guys can cube later. Do like if we had like sixteen people or eight people even, and do some some event, right. uh, it, like even like a roast, like a public roast yeah, of, of cube would be pretty cool. cool. And then my um, only concern about this is my one concern about this whole event, right? This is what's going to happen. You're going to be like, okay, the event went right, great, all right. So on a cube, yeah, and everyone pulls their cube out. Right, just like right. who's cube? Uh, well, you have to use the moto cube. Eric McCormick hashtag all the cubes. I, I think we should do Peter Johnson's idea of of, of, of cubeception, cube cubing with cubes. Yeah. So you first pick the mono blue cube, and you hope to wield the artifact cube, right? Or things like that. There would that. probably be enough. Yeah. <laughs> in, so like, in the building, you I think first you could... pick like tribal cube, or no, you first pick mono red cube, and then hope to wield the tribal cube. Mono red cube, holy smokes. Right? You should get the other mono red cube. Well, yeah, I mean, if there's two mono red cubes. <laughs> not, always, but yeah. you know three people are going to first pick mono red cubes, and only one person's uh, going to... Anyway, so what, else, what else we got in the mailbag? Before, you, I'll let you find the next thing, but I wanted to talk real quick about a couple of cards that suck out to me that aren't in the, mo, the right. moto cube. 
Uh, Delver of Secrets, randomly, not in the Moto Cube. Yeah, I, I think that'd be cool to have in there. I think that, the, I mean, they've got Phantasmal Bear. Like, well, Phantasmal Bear is also much better on blocking. It's much better to sideboarding against aggro decks. And, like, realistically, they don't, their, their, their blue aggro is not as tuned or not as sure, pushed but hard as think, it is. I mean, I, I th- they probably developed this before Delver of Secrets became a thing. Well, I mean, he said, so, like, he said in your interview thing that, that, that Delver, I thought he said Delver was kind of in there for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it was, it was in there, but then they, like, tested Delver in testing of, like, standard, and they were like, yeah, it's a, it's a good card, but it's not going to take over everything. Right. And then it took over everything. Yeah. So another one that they're missing is Scavenging Ooze. Which I don't get at all. That's weird. That's yeah. a real that weird, weird one. I wish that um, was in there. Because Ruhan of the Fomori's in there for some reason. And like What is Ruhan of the Fomori? He's a he's a seven seven for uh oh, yeah, for white, four. blue, red, colorless that attacks a random opponent each turn. I bet you I know who it is. Huh. My one opponent cube. Yeah, that's <laughs> probably who it is. Um, um, so anyway, that card's missing. And then the last one that's a little weird is that they don't have Metalworker or Staff of Domination. Yeah. Which I think is a pretty traditional cube combo. Like everybody well, likes. Well, part those. of it is that with a cube this large with a lower artifact count, I think my worker would not be as good, and staff is in a similar position. Well, and not just that. Like we don't know the future of where things are going. False. Like, I know the future. Well, like at five o'clock on Friday. <laughs> here's here's what I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At five o'clock on Friday, and then it's Monday at eight in the morning. I don't even know what's going on. I mean, I'm just like I'm the, gonna be the so. The Moto Q weekend. Yeah, I'm gonna oh. be so like I'm I'm gonna bring two TVs down here. He's gonna. We're he's gonna, gonna have laptops, and there's into gonna, a gonna pod. be a, there's gonna be a party at my place the entire weekend, and all we're gonna do this is weekend. Moto Q. No, it's next weekend. Oh, okay, good. Next weekend. Yeah. Oh, so, okay. And I mean, they could they could uh, we talked about the possibility of custom cubes, whatever. I think that's way phase like ten. Yeah, that's but, gonna be tough to do. But I would not be surprised if okay they run it for for this weekend. They say okay. Uh, June fifth, we're bringing the queue back for a weekend, and it's going to be you know slightly different, slightly different with but cards then, from Addison. But then, like for Christmas, they're like, yeah, well, we're going to do for three days a red and green cube that we designed, right? Or for you know Thanksgiving, it's going to be like all artifact theme or whatever, like sure, you know, you're giving yeah, trinkets yeah, yeah. or whatever. Like I think that Fourth of July, no I'm, green or black cards. There is a ton of opportunity to create custom cube sets. Sure. Uh, because one, it's very um, it's very easy to do when you yeah. when it's just like right there. You don't right, have to right. like go out and buy them and sleeve them and like curve them out like pretty cool when you could just curve them in a program and figure out well you know I need this many creatures whatever and and pull up a, a gatherer list of every card that fits your criteria. Um, that's pretty cool. But uh, I think that's the future. I think we're gonna see. Even Stoddard, the possibility of having phantom drafts that include power cards. I think we will see a powered cube environment in some capacity. Not sure when, I, where, how. Yeah, I, I, as I understand it, there's still a rift among the people who are there. But whether or not they're ever going to be power, they kind of. Some people, I guess, think that power is a going to be forever a paper thing. That it will be one thing that forever differentiates magic, power magic, uh, or paper magic and cube ma- and, uh, magic online. The best thing is a classic format. It's possible that, you know, next year or the year after that, they decided in Master Editions, Master Edition 5 or something, or 6. 6. People right. are calling for it, but we, that's a, a topic we could talk about in, on another show. I did want to talk about some resources that you could have if you're interested. Like, if if you enjoy any contention and maybe you just tuned in to hear us blather on about Cube, but maybe you ha- don't have as much experience with it, um, I have a couple places that you can look um, to get some content. Uh, the MTG Salvation Cube Forms is a really good place 
to, uh, to find a bunch of lists. Also to start. That's a really good, it's place, a good to place to start. start. There's popper lists, common, uncommon, rare, powered, themed, whatever. There's a million lists that you can look at. Um, a lot of uh, analysis and thought goes into putting those lists together. Um, and then there's a good discussion thread there that, that talks all about Cube. Uh, so that's really good. Um, I, I know that it's, it doesn't get as much regular... Um, Updating anymore, but QDrafting.com, which is essentially owned by Star City. Yeah, there's uh, a link at the top of Star City's page to QDrafting.com. It's a good, good place to, to find some lists. Yeah. Uh, I know, I believe Evan still updates his list yeah. there. I used to, I used to write occasional articles for them too. There's good articles there, not quite as much. I mean, you can see lists and there's some discussion, but if you want to see lists and discussion, uh, Salvation's probably where you want to go. Or if you want to see more theory and articles and, and that kind of thing, then QDrafting.com is probably better. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the, there's a podcast that's dedicated solely to Cube content called The Third Power, um, and that's run by Anthony Avatola and Usman Jamil, and uh, it's fantastic content. They put a ton of time and thought into putting these episodes together. Did and, you, by uh, the way, see what Anthony got? Yeah, he got. Oh, he actually got it from Ugular, the guy that that gave us a mailbag item. Well, oh, really? A foil Spanish Maloku. That yes, the yeah. misprinted. Okay, so another thing that you can do with your cubes, if you have a live one, is uh, you can get the the misprinted cards. Some cards get misprinted in foreign languages. One of the, the most famous example, I think, is uh, Spanish Maloku that makes two two flying moon folk people. Yeah. Instead of one ones. Uh, another example is Cursed Scroll in Japanese, Japanese. I believe, costs two to activate instead of right, three. Yeah. Um, those are the two reflecting big pool, examples. A foil version right, has a plane. Right, in the a foil reflecting pool is a planes. And then there's some things that you can do, like if you get. Uh, the, apparently, the rule is if you get Richard Garfield to write it on your card, that's what it does. I saw the best one of those the other day. I saw an exalted angel that had exalted. Now, that's awesome. I think actually Anthony Anthony has like that. that, yeah. I saw a morphling. That's first ability was zero stack damage. Wow! And I think RK Post actually wrote that in there, but I thought that was pretty cool. Right. There's a um, also if you if you're really spicy and then and, and trip people, play the uh, it's either Spanish or Portuguese um, Metaball. Yeah, which actually just it does nothing. Right? It, it's got no tap that three. Just says <laughs> that whenever it's tapped, it'll like if you have Urborg. Oh, I guess it doesn't work, does it? Yeah, it is actually. Just <laughs> but anyway, work. that's another fun thing that you can do. So you can. So cube, we were talking about cubedrafting.com and and, the, and salvation. Really, the number one way to get good active cube discussion, at least in my opinion, is to just be on Twitter. Yes, um, you can follow us. Uh, Sam is Sam Stodd. Ruben is Mox Ruby. R e u b y Mox Ruby. I'm K Stube K S T U B E. And then there's some people on there. Um, I, I just want to shout out a couple of people that, that just always talk huge content with me. Um, third, Ken, Kenny third, third power, obviously. Yeah, third power. All those guys. Everybody we mentioned, which I think we said their their uh, Twitter handle. Sure. Um, Ken G Five, which is Kyle Anderson. He's really big into Cube. And then Taya Steele, who uh, was well known for writing at Star City Games. Um, she doesn't post as much Cube content there, but I believe she still updates her blog. Uh, Mask admirers or, or what have you with right. her cube content. And She's her really good. WMAP. WMAP is yeah. her. So, so yeah, that's a good that's a good place to start. And you, if, if you and then obviously people, we, we've all written articles and things on it too. Right. Um, so check out InContentionMagic.com. Uh, do a search on by author, and we've we've got cube content on there as well. So, um, do you guys have anything else to add as it relates to? I'm very. I, I think that the, the number one thing, even though we had our complaints, even though we are. We're we're cube people, and we're very protective of what we perceive as our format and the what we're perceiving as sort of you know the corporate people coming in and doing with what 
they want, even though they designed it and they took their time, we, we sort of perceive it as like, this is ours, what are you doing with yeah, it? Yeah, don't mess it up, sort of thing. But I think that the bottom line is they didn't mess it up. They did a good job, they did a good thing. Yeah. And, the, the, you know, the bottom line is we have a lot of complaints, but we're happy about it. <laughs> like any Magic player is about anything. We have a lot of complaints, but the bottom line is it's good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's it for this episode. Until next week, we're in contention. <laughs>